So as we continue in that, that same idea of lament and being able to just say, like, I am angry, I am hurt, I am confused, I am scared, uh, whatever it might be. And thinking about these two big subjects uh, from this week, but also just all the other things. There's just so much, just so much right now, it seems. And really felt, in talking with this staff as well, just feeling like uh, we just need to, like, push everyone to make sure that we're, like, bringing it to the Lord. And that's not to assume that you aren't. it is to like just to want to make sure and to give you a chance to do that corporately. And so, if we stay kind of in that mode of lament, um, I was asking the Lord, like, where where do you preach from? The Bible is full of options, and on Sundays like this, after like a week like we've had, where do we go? And I came just came back to this story that I preached through as we we're going through Mark a while back, and it's it's one that really has resonated so much with me and. I think may be appropriate for today. So look at, look at verse 31. We're just going to go a few verses at a time. I hope that's okay. Um, 31 says, Then he, being Jesus, returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. Okay, so everyone has their maps in their minds, right? Everyone knows where that is? They brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. Okay, so they bring him a man who is deaf, has a speech impediment. So please lay your hands on him. So Jesus is known as a healer at this point. That's kind of one of the lead things in his reputation. And so I started to think about the fact that this man is deaf um, and how that was like something bad that he did not cause. Like he didn't bring that upon himself. Um, it, something that happened to him. And that's fairly common in our world, right? We all have bad things that happened to us that were no like cause of our own, right? 2016, a lot of you guys, your houses flooded. That wasn't because you did something wrong. This whole facility flooded. It's not because the people at Sherwood Baptist did anything wrong. Um, Sometimes a pandemic breaks out and you lose your job. You didn't bring that on yourself. Sometimes the economy just does terribly and uh, you have, like, this bad things happen because of that. Sometimes you go to the doctor and he's like, hey, I think this might be cancer. I know there are some types of cancer that we bring on ourselves, but there are also times when like, it had nothing to do with that. It's just, it just happens, you know. Sometimes you go to the doctor and uh, you think you're going in for one situation and he changes your whole world. But not because you did anything. It's just there's just stuff that happens, and so, in the simplest of terms, his the fact that he was deaf was not directly his fault. Um, you might recall in John chapter nine, uh, this is verse the first part of John nine. It says, as as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That was like an actual like thought process in the day is that every bad thing 
was caused by someone's sin. So they're like, hey, let's, let's take this human being made in the image of God and let's turn him into an object lesson, like a theological debate. Who was it? Is it his fault or his parents' fault? You know, as if the guy's not sitting there. So Jesus says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus says, this guy did not bring on his situation. And the same thing here, this man's, like his inability to hear was not his own direct fault. And that has to stir compassion in us. Like when you look around the world and you look sometimes within your own home and sometimes you look in the mirror, there has to be compassion about the fact <clears throat> that we suffer through pain sometimes just because it just happened to you. Just because you were born a broken person into a broken world, um, that holistic brokenness, sometimes it just trickles our way. And that's just every time it's just sad, you know. Um, and so... Make no mistake, like sin is at the root of all of that brokenness. I'm not trying to say that, but what I am saying is sometimes, like we've all been in situations where it's like, I got to work through this because I committed this sin and now I have to deal with the consequences. We know what it's like when it, we, it, we have done that to someone else, but we also know what it's like when sin just finds its way to us and we didn't earn it directly from a specific behavior point. It's just like, man, the world is busted. So we all face those general, like, general kinds of things. But at the end of it all, this man in this story finds him in the aftershocks of sin. So I spent some time thinking about that, and I said, okay, that's fine. But this last week, though, we, we've been thinking about a different scenario. We've been thinking about... Not the scenario where I caused, I did something, I sinned against someone, have to deal with that. And not dealing with being on the, like that general, like sin in general caused this. But we've been looking at names and faces and stories all week long of people who were on the direct receiving end of a specific person's sin. Like, that's a really unique scenario. when you're having to deal with what someone did to you. We see it with the SBC. We see it with Uvalde. We see it in lots and lots of situations, people being on the recipient end. Specifically, like just to get like even more like direct, the abuse that has happened in both, in both of those big situations, more specifically the SBC, you're talking about someone who is choosing to misuse their position of power over another person in order to fulfill their self-centered desires. That's what abuse is. Abuse takes different, different forms, different contexts. Uh, I'm just going to use the term abuse, and you adults can fill in all the different possibilities. But when someone has power over another person and they choose to use that in a way to fulfill their own desires. That is abuse. That's what happens. And so someone says, well, 
Um, I have an advantage over you in some way, and I'm going to use that through this kind or this kind or this kind or this kind or this kind, but I'm going to use you. That's what happens. That is what happens when you are on the receiving ends, like when you are the, uh, I never really know what the right terms are. You know, Some would say victim, and some would say, don't call us victims, call us survivors. And others would say, well, don't call us survivors because we're still dealing with things. I don't know what what the right terminology is, honestly. But when you have been abused, that is what has happened in that situation. Someone in power in a, that has, in some form, a power over you has chosen to use it for their own ends, and that is what makes it so damaging. Like that's why abuse is such a such a unique thing. Like when. When we are sinned against, like when someone lies to me, when someone uh, steals money from you, when someone uh, cheats on you, whatever it may be, there, when you're sinned against in those kinds of ways, like there is pain and there is all that kind of stuff. But abuse, abuse deals with like destroying like the image of God that you were made in. When you are reduced to an object, that that changes you. Like it it changes your brain chemistry. Like it changes you. And the younger that it happens, the more it changes you. And and so like this is a like this is a, like a significant thing. If we're talking about the SBC, we're talking about seven hundred offenders. That were reported, and we're talking about the the hundreds and thousands of out there who not been reported, and the aftershocks of those things. And we get into like what that does to someone, and how it like changes them, alters them. The more you study it, the more you like look into it, the more you like sit in the weight of it. You're like, what do we what do we even do? Like how how do you speak to that? How do you sit down with someone who has been through that kind of horrific experience and how that has reshaped their brain patterns and their view of themselves and of God and of other people? Like, how do you even begin to speak to that? How do you go to Uvalde and offer anything there? When you or someone else that you know, or even people you don't know, when you think about being on the receiving end of abuse and violence, what do you do? What do you say? What do you have to offer? More important than that, what does Jesus have to say? You know, what does Jesus do? What does Jesus have to offer in a situation that seems so overwhelmingly impossible to bring any kind of anything into? Well, I know that this man in the story, I I know that he wasn't on the recipient of another, another person's sin, but I think it still applies. This happened to him. He is a 
victim, survivor. He's abused by sin, however you want to think of it. I think that how Jesus responds in this story is something that we can apply across the board. And so whether whether it's like you processing your own like grief and sadness over all this, whether you are walking with someone through this, whether you are just wanting to stand with survivors in general, whether you are trying to come up with, with the, the whatever it takes, I don't even know what to, how to qualify it, to come forward and to like say this happened to me for the very first time, you know, um, whatever it is, how Jesus handles this man uh, can speak to everything that we're feeling and going through if we let him. So, there's a long way to get to this point. Verse, verse 33. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. Okay, super weird verse at first, right? Now, let's, let's think about what this says about Jesus. So, again, to contextualize, what does Jesus have to say and offer to those who have been on the receiving end. First thing he does with this man is he, this man who, who cannot hear what is happening. First thing he does is he takes him to the side privately. Like what, a, what a classy move, right? Here's this crowd. Jump into that man's perspective. He can't hear what they're saying. He has no idea what's happening, really. So what does Jesus do? Well, hey, let's get you out of the chaos a little bit, okay? Then, puts his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. Now, growing up in church, I love that verse because it just seems so weird. I was like, oh, Jesus is weird, man. That's cool. But let's think about that from the man's perspective for a second. The man can't hear, has no idea what's going on. Jesus takes him to the side. The first thing that he does, puts his fingers into his ears. Now, what do you think that communicates to the man? It's, it's like Jesus is like, hey, uh, I'm going to come up with my own kind of sign language here. I'm going to do something to your, to your ears. What if in that simple gesture of kindness, Jesus is like, hey, I get, I get what's going on here. What if this man had never felt understood? You know, Think about this time in history, what it must have been like to not be able to hear or to speak. How frustrating that must be. And now you get pulled over by the side and this guy, the first thing he does is like touch your ears and you're like, you're trying to communicate with me. Something about my hearing. And then it says that he touched his, after spitting, I don't know about that part, um, so he touched his tongue. What if Jesus is like, hey, I'm, let's do something about your hearing and about your speech. What if in that moment where Jesus came up with this creative way to communicate um, exactly what was happening, what if Jesus is the kind of God who's like, I'm going to meet you in your brokenness and communicate with, 
with you in a way that I know you will understand because I made you. What, what kindness. What, what a beautiful moment. At first, it's like, what a strange verse. And then you're like, oh, I cannot believe that Jesus is that good. He could have just healed him, right? He could have, could have handled it a number of ways, but he's like, no, I want you to know what's going on. Um, this is about your hearing and about your speech. And then what does he do next? Look at 34. Looking up to heaven, he sighed and said, Ephatha, that is, be opened. His ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Okay, so Jesus gets down, gets eye to eye with this guy. Ears, speech, then he looks to heaven. Now, is that him praying to the Father? Probably. What do you think that says to the man, though? This guy just touched my ears and touched my tongue, and then he looked to heaven, and then he said something, and now I can hear. Like, that's where your healing comes from. It's like he's saying, what's wrong here and what's wrong here? This is where the solution is going to come from. Like, it doesn't get better than that, you know? It also says, and you guys have heard me talk about this before, it says that he sighed. Look up to heaven and he sighed. And that word is not like a typical, like, you know, kind of sigh. It's my impression of a sigh, in case you didn't catch that. That word means groan. That, like, eye to eye with this man and his brokenness, Jesus cannot help but groan a prayer to the Father. I bet this week you have groaned prayers to the Father. Hopefully, if you have it this week, hopefully you have this morning. Hopefully you groaned when you wrote your lament. Hopefully you groaned as you, as you tried to sing. Hopefully there's a part of you that's like, man, it's just so different than celebratory times and all this kind of stuff. This just feels, but I got to groan my way through it. I got to, like there has to be something there. This tells us so much about our Savior is that in, in the sadness, in the pain, in the suffering, in the, when you're on the receiving end, Jesus looks at us and he groans. He meets us and he cries with us and he hates the sin and he gets angry over what has happened. He's not this disconnected God that's up in heaven being like, well, sinful world, oh well. Thoughts and prayers. You know. He's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet you in it. Notice that he says the word epitha. He says epitha and his ears were opened and his tongue was released and he spoke plainly. That just in one word, healing came. And what if... Just like in this situation, what if Jesus is ready to meet every abuse survivor 
with their own kind of sign language and their own kind of like groaning and their own kind of epitha moment or sequence of moments, what if he's just like, look, I'm ready to meet you ex- exactly where you are and walk you down the healing path? What if these epitha moments are still happening? What if through all of this tragedy, Jesus is like, I'm showing up and I'm meeting people in their pain and I'm ready to communicate the, my goodness and my grace and my love and my compassion and my mercy and my frustration and my anger. All of that in a way that each person needs it. To me, hope sounds like Ephatha right there. Like that's to me what like what rings true is the fact that God will be in it with you. And certainly you go to Uvalde and it's probably very hard to bring a lot of hope. And at this point, it seems like hope probably looks like the fact that God has not abandoned them. That he's with you in the midst of how terrible it is. For survivors of abuse, hope comes with the holding out of a gospel that offers healing. To say, hey, yes, this happened to you and it should not have happened to you. One of Jesus is saying, I'm so sorry that it happened to you. But I have good news in, in the midst of that sadness. I bring a kingdom that heals. I bring a kingdom with the power of God that can change those brain patterns and that can heal those wounds, that can teach a right view of self that Someone else tried to destroy, but they're, they're not more powerful. They don't have ultimate authority over you. Hey, I, I'm ready to surround you with people who will stand with you. I'm ready to, to bring you into a community that also believes that Jesus Christ has the power to change any human life. Um, and that no matter what has happened to you, uh, Jesus is greater and higher And while he weeps with you, he also says, Epitha. Like to me, that's that's the end of the psalm kicking in, you know. It's not bypassing the pain, it's saying, like, no, let's bring the pain to him. Let's not like pretend everything's okay, you know. But let's recognize that our gospel is about the already and not yet kingdom. And sometimes we live in the not yet part. That we're not at heaven yet, but heaven will meet us here in the brokenness. And so we, as the people of God, we take our cues from him, right? Like that's, that's like how we're supposed to exist is, well, Jesus does this, so we do this. And so God's a refuge, so we we need to be a refuge. Like churches need to be 
safe places. And they have not been. SBC churches have not been. And not only SBC, there are other denominations too, but we're sitting here figuring out how can we be a safe place for people who have been abused and for people who are grieving? Can you come into this place and find Ephatha through Christ first and through us second? He's a refuge, so we have to be a refuge. He is safe, so we have to be safe places. He offers healing we have to do the same thing. That's why this is such an important moment for us to respond to. So look at verse 36 as I close. Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. So they just they couldn't help it. Like they had just seen something amazing. What if our version of that is is like we are the ones being like, hey, I know that this is really, really painful right now. Um, like what, what if but what if we're like bringing them, like this man was brought to Jesus. Like what if, what if we're the ones bringing people to Jesus in that way? Now, Jesus would never be like, don't tell anybody. That has a whole other part of the plot line. He's like, no, no, tell everyone, tell everyone, tell everyone. What would Love, 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 love for that to become the narrative. And in the world around us where people are like, hey, you know, like, like when things are, when you're dealing with the tons of pain, you know where you need to go. You need to find a church. You need to go to that, that church right there. The church with the, the, with the pink bricks. Yeah, go to the pink brick church. They're, they're safe. That we are inviting people to the Lord. Verse 37, they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And for us, we could say, he's done all things well. He even heals the damage done through abuse. He's done all things well. He comforts those who mourn. He does all things well. You complete the lament. And so I hope that thinking of Jesus in these ways helps us to contextualize the pain within the kingdom of God and within the gospel that is ours. That's a part of the challenge sometimes. Is sometimes when things happen, we tend to kind of bury our heads and just react to it. And then God's like, hey, don't, don't forget who I am. Don't forget that I'm the God who came up with sign language for this man who met him in his pain and groaned over his brokenness and spoke a word of healing over him. Don't forget who I am. That we can be confident as the people of God as we cry or weep or go through whatever life throws at us, we can be confident at the same time. So how about we sing a little bit? Does that sound all right? Um, communion is an option for you this morning. Um, they will speak to you whenever you go over there. They're going to say the body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you. That is, that is the healing. And, and let's just sit real still for one second. This... The body of Christ broken for you, the blood of Christ poured out for you. 
Was that not Jesus being abused? Right? Like here's Jesus healing this man. Jesus would walk his own path of abuse. And through that body and blood broken for us comes the healing that he now invites us all into. And so, like that might be what you need to connect some dots this morning. Um, That is an option for you. You can come kneel and pray. You can sing. We're not going to sing forever, but we're going to sing a little bit. And we're not going to bypass the moment, but these are like fist in the air songs, right? So if you want to put your fist in the air, I encourage you to do that. Let's stand together. Let me pray for us. We'll sing a little bit and we'll go. Lord, you know that um, there's a lot within us that wants to run away from anything hard or difficult or sad. And then a lot of our frustration and anger and emotion gets stirred up, when, especially when we've been, like things have happened that have been beyond our control. And so I'm thankful that you've given us laments that we can be trained in a way to like to bring those things to you and let you speak to them. And so as we conclude our time this morning by responding in song or prayer or communion, I ask that you would help us to uh, just to kind of fill in the gaps a little bit and to connect some of those things together to figure out how our psalm of lament ends. For David, he talked about trusting you and your steadfast love, and he resolved to sing and to declare his belief. Whatever that looks like for us, God, help us to connect our what we know about you and what you tell us in your word. Jesus, we are thankful that you, uh, you can relate to those who have made it through abuse because you were, were on the receiving end of it yourself. There's so much to that idea, but I just feel like it's so important to keep in mind. So we thank you. In these next few moments, would you help us to worship you in spirit and in truth? Have your way among us. Prepare us to then go from this place.